Let's look at Luke chapter 22, Luke 22, we'll begin reading in uh, verse 14, simple message entitled Remembrance of Me, in Luke 22, in verse 14 it says, when the hour was come, he sat down and the twelve apostles with him, and he said unto them, with desire I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say unto you, I will not any more eat thereof until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup and gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come. And he took bread and gave thanks and break it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. Likewise also the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. But behold, the hand of him that betrayeth me uh, on, is on, with me on the table. And truly the Son of Man goeth as it, it was determined, but woe unto that man by whom he is betrayed. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for allowing us to be together this morning. We're thankful we are able to gather around the communion table and uh, remember the many blessings of God and the grace of God that has been extended to us that we saved. Uh, well, Lord, we're thankful now we can open up the Bible and, and study it and uh, make practical applications of the Word into our lives. And uh, Lord, we're just thankful that we can be assured that heaven is our home. And so I pray, Lord, if there's someone here this morning who's not sure they're saved, I pray that they might uh, come and receive Christ as their Savior. And Lord, what a glorious day that'll be when they are able to say that I've been born again by the grace of God. And so, Lord, I pray for your blessing on the preaching of the Word of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, in verse 19 is our text verse. I'm going to turn this wireless off, okay? So turn the other one on. And now... Um, Verse 19, it says, And he took bread and gave thanks and brake it and gave it unto them, saying, This is my body which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. And we just observed the Lord's table together, and we often call it the Lord's Supper. And uh, it really is, the Lord's Supper is a time of reflection for every believer. Uh, we, we remember uh, the time when we got saved uh, we reminisce in our minds and our hearts, really, of the sacrifice that was made, the payment that was paid for us just to be able to become the children of God. Uh, literally, the Bible tells us that we are the enemies of God. Uh, we are against everything that God is until we trust Christ as our Savior, and that gives us the ability to become the children of God. And uh, so communion table is always a time of remembrance. But there's many things that we ought to remember. There's many things that uh, uh, literally floods the recesses of our minds at different times and different situations in our life. And so this matter of remembering, you know, there's the cry of Samson uh, in this matter of memory. In Judges chapter 16 and verse 28, Samson called upon the Lord and said, O Lord, and here it is, remember me. He says, I pray thee and strengthen me, I pray thee only this once, O God, that I may be at once avenged of the Philistines for my two eyes. And certainly the cry of Samson was one of necessity that God would remember who he was. 
Remember what his condition was, that God would not forget about him, but God would come upon him and give him strength that at the end of his life he would be able to uh, be more powerful and, uh, and have the ability to overcome the enemy. And uh, so he cries out for God to remember me. I don't know about you, but when troubles and troubled times and problems come in my life, I want God to remember me, amen. And so there's the cry of Samson. There's also the desire of Hannah in 1 Samuel chapter 1 in verse 11. It says, and she vowed a vow and said, on, uh, said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thy handmaid and remember me. And forget not, uh, uh, not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thy handmaid a man-child. Then I will give unto him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. And so the cry, the desire of Hannah was, God, remember me. She wanted a child, but she knew she would only be able to experience that unless God will remember who she is and what the need was and the desire of her heart. So remember me. Also, there's a statement of Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 8. In verse 18, he says, But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, and that he may establish his covenant which he sware unto thy fathers as it is this day. And so not only do we see in the scriptures those crying out for God to remember them, but we see this challenge in the statement from Moses you know, to the children of Israel, you need to remember your God. And one of the blessings of coming to the Lord's table, it is a time of us remembering who our God is. It's a time of us remembering what Christ has done for us. And so remember the Lord thy God. And then I thought about the song of the psalmist. Uh, in Psalm 20 and verse 7, says, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. And the, cry, the song of the psalmist was the fact that, wait a minute, man puts his trust in all kinds of things in this life, but we are going to put our trust in our God. We're going to remember the Lord our God. Psalm 30 and verse 4, Sing unto the Lord, O ye saints of his, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holiness. And uh, just as important it is for us to recognize that God remembers us in our trials and difficulties and blesses us, it is important for us to remember who our God is and what he has done for us and how he moves in our lives. So in remembrance of me, remembrance me, remembering me. And so uh, first of all, I see there's personal awareness that comes into a person's life. Now personal awareness, as we remember who the Lord is, it does establish a means of conduct uh, that we have. And uh, I didn't put these verses on here, so we'll look at some of these verses. In uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, in uh, verse 17, I don't want you to just read the Bible off the screens. It would be nice to look on the Word of God. Amen. So 1 Corinthians in chapter 4, in verse 17, Paul says, For this cause have I sent unto you, to you Timotheus, who is my beloved son, and faithful in the Lord, who shall bring you into remembrance of my ways, which be in Christ, as I teach everywhere in every church. So Paul said this, I want you to remember me, 
but I want you to remember in reference to who I am and what my ways are, how I live, how I conduct myself, uh, when you realize that God has done something miraculous in my life, and my challenge to every believer in every church is to be aware, personally aware, that if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Realizing this, that once you've trusted Christ as your Savior, you're never the same again. And so there is personal awareness that changes my conduct. And, uh, you know, it's just interesting if you look at uh, people that are interested in being involved in sports or whatever, uh, their commitment to sports changes their conduct because their commitment to sports it requires of them to be physically fit. It requires of them to be challenged to uh, be able to be ready to meet the opposition when they're in a sporting event. And so personal awareness of what is required of me in reference to who I am in Christ Jesus. And so Paul said, I'm going to send Timothy to you. And when I send Timothy to you, he's going to help you to understand uh, what my conduct, what my way of living is in Christ Jesus. So personal awareness brings a remembrance in reference to my conduct, but it also rem brings remembrance in the reference to prayer, personal awareness in prayer. Philippians chapter 1, you're in 1 Corinthians, just flip to the right a little bit, you'll read it over in the book of Philippians. In Philippians chapter 1 and verse 3, Paul says, I thank my God Upon every remembrance of you. Every one of these verses are going to deal with remembering. And uh, remembrance of you. Notice he says, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making requests with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day unto now. And so Paul's remembrance of the Philippian believers was guided and directed as he was always praying for them. As he remembered them, he prayed for them uh, because of the fact they received the gospel and their life was changed. And because their life was changed, uh, that God began a good work in them. That's why he says in Philippians 1 and 6, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. He knew that God would do that because of the fact of his conscious awareness of the believers of Philippi drove him to the point of praying for them faithfully that God would work in their behalf. In 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 3, 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 3, Paul talks about praying uh, for Timothy. As he would remember him, he would lift him up in prayer. And 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 3, it says, I thank God whom I serve with my forefathers with pure conscience. And here it is, that without ceasing, I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day. Uh, the greatest thing that we can do in this matter of remembering Christ is to have personal awareness that God has established a family. It's the family of God. And as we remember one another, we ought to offer up prayers for one another uh, because of the fact that we remember what God's grace has done in their life and what fellowship that we have together because of who Christ is. And that kind of leads me into the next point, fellowship. Personal awareness not only establishes conduct and a consistency in our prayer life, but it also creates an opportunity for fellowship. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, 
in verse 6, Paul says, But now when Timotheus came from you unto us and brought us good, again good tidings of your faith and charity, that ye have good remembrance of us always. So Paul's saying, I not just remembered them, they remembered us. And desiring greatly to see us as we also to see you. And so Paul's saying this personal awareness of our commitment to Christ and our experience of Christ saving us develops a longing in our hearts to be with each other and to see one another uh, because of the fact that we have a relationship that's not like the world's relationship. It's a relationship that's built upon a new life that we have through faith in Jesus Christ. So this remembrance gives me personal awareness. You cannot remember what Christ has done for you and not be connected with others who have trusted Christ as their Savior. And so this fellowship that we enjoy. Personal awareness and remembrance also gives us instruction. And you're in 2 Timothy. Just turn one book back to 1 Timothy chapter 4. And uh, Paul speaks about the instruction that is given in 1 Timothy 4, 6. He says, If thou put the brethren in remembrance... I was talking to young Timothy as a preacher. Uh, young Timothy was a pastor. He said, you need to put remembrance in people. You need to tell them they need to remember what's going on. If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished up in words of faith and good doctrine, whereunto thou hast attained. And so giving the proper instruction, you need to, as a parent, give proper instruction to your children need to remind them we're not of this world you need to remind your children that wait a minute we're, we don't live in acting like the world acts because we're different we're children of God we're the people of God and God is working in our lives and it's a responsibility of a, a school teacher or literally a Sunday school teacher junior church worker pastor whatever to put people in remembrance remind them this is who we are in Christ this is what we respond to because of the leadership of Christ in our life. We do not act like and live like the world because we are aware of who we are in Christ Jesus. Everything in the world today is about finding out who you are and being aware, personal awareness and identifying yourself and whoever you want to be and whatever corruption you want to develop in your life. But wait a minute, what about the Christian? What about the Christian remembering who we are? I remember years ago when I was a teenager, I was doing something my dad didn't like, and he was correcting me for it. And I remember saying to him, I said, but dad, these other kids are doing this. And my dad said this, you need to remember whose kid you are. And uh, you don't, they're not my kids, you're my kid, and this is what you're going to do. We don't allow that. Personal awareness. Uh, we, at the remembrance of who Christ is and what Christ did on Calvary, it gives us a different focus, it gives us a different commitment and a different reason for living. And so we need to have that instruction, putting people in remembrance of these things. Uh, why? Because Christ said, this do in remembrance of me. And so we live our life. Every time we come to the communion table, it gives us another opportunity to refresh our remembrance of who Christ is and what he is to us. And so personal awareness. I see another thing here. There's a practical faith because of remembrance. 
a practical faith. And a practical faith is just simply this. It's a faith that is duplicated. Now, the choir is saying what faith does this morning. And I'll tell you, faith does some miraculous, amazing things in our lives. And that faith ought to be duplicated into our children. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, Paul speaks about uh, Timothy's faith. And he says in 2 Timothy 1 and 5, he says, When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, but notice he goes on to say, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, for I am, and I am persuaded that in thee also. Notice the faith that Timothy had began with his grandmother, began with his mother. It was a faith that was duplicated. And if we are not duplicating ourselves, uh, you, then Christianity dies off. If we're not duplicating ourselves, uh, then faith is not continuing on from generation to generation. And so it ought to be our resolve and our commitment to say, wait a minute, as I remember what Christ did in my heart, then bless God, I want to duplicate that in somebody else's heart. I remember I felt called to preach. The only reason why I felt called to preach was I just sat there one morning and my wife was making breakfast and, and all I could see was all my friends that I went to Sunday school with all my life dying and going to hell. That's all I could see in my mind because nobody told me how to be saved in the Sunday school class I grew up in. Nobody told me that I need to have personal faith in Christ and they never told them either. And then one Easter Sunday morning, we have this great big baptism service, probably 10 or 11 of us got baptized become two, for the purpose, this is what we told, we're told, for the purpose of becoming members of the church. They never told us how to be saved. And all I could see was all those folks got dying and going to hell. And I thought, why wouldn't somebody tell us? Why wouldn't somebody warn us that you need to be saved? And I thought, well, if nobody else will tell people how to be saved, I'll be willing to tell people how to be saved. I, I want to duplicate my faith in others. I want to be able to share with others what Christ has done in my life. As I remember what he has done in my life, then I want others to also know that. The greatest burden that ought to be on the heart of every parent and every grandparent is that your faith will be duplicated in your children and your grandchildren. Not only is it duplicated, but practical faith is exercised. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, we're there in verse 6, he says, Wherefore I put, you, put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. So exercise faith. God doesn't save us just to sit still. God saves us to serve. And God doesn't just save us so we can boast about going to heaven. God saves us so that we might be able to exercise our faith. And Paul said, I want to remind you what God did in your heart. I'll tell you, some folks, I just, in 35 years of ministry, I'm going to tell you right now, there's, there's people that you know of that's no longer walking with God. And sometimes I just feel like going over there and saying, you need to stop and start remembering what God has done in your life, what God had done in, in moving and saving your soul. And let me tell you, when you stop to remember who it is that saved you and what he has promised you, it will change your life. You live a life that is exercised for the glory of God, a practical faith. Not only that, but it's studied. 
This matter of our faith is studied, 2 Timothy chapter 2, in verse 14. 2 Timothy, we're in 2 Timothy, so it's easy to get there. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 14 says, Of these things put them in remembrance. It's amazing how many times in the Bible it says to remember or to put somebody in remembrance. It says, of these things put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord that they strive not about words to no profit, but to the subverting of hearers. He said, in other words, he says, stop just being caught up in vain, empty conversations. Then he says, then he says, study the show thyself approved on the God of workmen that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun profane and vain babblings. You know, some questions just ain't worth answering. Some of the stupid questions people come up with just to try to develop some type of debate or argument. Uh, take what the Word of God, study the Word of God, understand what the Word of God has to say, and remember God has given us His Word so that we might know who He is. He is not giving us His Word so that we might be able to boast about how intelligent we are. Study to show thyself approved unto God, not unto man. He says, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. And, and, and their word will eat as it doth a canker of whom is Hymenius and Philetus, uh, who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already and overthrow the faith of some. I'm just saying you better study the word of God. You better remember what you believe and remember why you believe what you believe because many people's faith are being overthrown. And it's because we're not remembering Christ. We're not remembering what Christ did in our life. And so we are not living a practical faith. Well, I see there's also a perpetual growth in this matter of remembrance. Notice in 2 Peter, you can just turn to the right a little bit more. Tried to make this easy for you because we're looking at a lot of verses. But in 2 Peter chapter 1, notice that perpetual growth... 2 Peter chapter 1, in verse 12 and 13, perpetual growth involves being diligent and responsible. Diligent and responsible. Uh, you need to be diligent about your life in Christ and realize this, you need to be, you're responsible for your life. Every man's going to give an account before God. In 2 Peter chapter 1, in verse 12, says, Wherefore I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though ye know them. You know, a lot, of, a lot of my messages I preach, probably 80% of what I preach is to people that already know what I'm preaching on. I'm not preaching anything new this morning. It's, it's, it's stuff you already know. And Peter said this, I'm not going to be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though you know them, and be established in the present truth. Yea, I think it meet as long as I am in this tabernacle to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. Uh, sometimes we just need to remind ourselves of who we are and what we are in Christ Jesus because it will make us diligent about living our life. It'll make us responsible for our life. 
Uh, you know, Paul tells us that we're not to be a stumbling block to others. And so he's going along with what Peter's saying here. I'm not telling you anything new. I'm just reminding you, you need to take on the responsibility of being an example of the testimony of Christ. And so a per perpetual growth that goes on each and every day, we ought to be maturing in our walk with God uh, because we remember of who Christ is and what he does in our life and the responsibilities he has given us as a believer. But in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 15, just go down to the next verse there, we see that it's deliberate and resourceful, this matter of perpetual growth. If you want to continue to grow in your faith, it's a deliberate action. You have to decide, I'm going to memorize scripture. You have to decide that I'm going to surrender my life to the Lord. I, you have to decide that I need to be different than the world is. It is a deliberate way of living. You don't live the Christian life just by chance. You live the life, del Christian life deliberately and resourcefully. In first, uh, Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 15 says, Moreover, I will endeavor that ye may be able after my decease to have these things always in uh, your memory. Second, Second Peter chapter 1 in verse 15, that's not the verse I wanted. Oh, uh, he says, moreover, I will endeavor that, yeah, it is the verse I wanted. Okay, I was reading something else in my notes here. Oh, I'm uh, getting ahead of myself. Anyway, uh, he wants us to be delivered in, uh, in our growth process. There are resources that we have available to us as we read through the word of God, as we pray and talk with the Lord, as we encourage and disciple one another in the faith, uh, there's all kinds of resources that are available to continue to grow in the Lord. Uh, you certainly don't, if your child is born and your child does not grow uh, intellectually, does not grow emotionally, does not grow physically, you'll say there's something that's abnormal about that child because there's no growth continual growth in that child. Well, it, listen, there's something abnormal with a person who is a believer in Christ who is not continuing to grow. And so you need to be deliberate in getting your resources to grow in faith. But then it's also direct and very forceful. In uh, 2 Peter chapter 3, 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 1 through 9, direct and forceful. Peter says this, this second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you in both which I stir you your, up your mind, pure minds by way of remembrance. He said, I'm trying to stir you up. I'm trying to stimulate your thought process. I'm trying to get you focused. Then he says in verse two, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the prophets and of the commandments of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lust. And uh, listen, uh, people are walking after things that are contrary to God and they're committed. This whole thing with climate change, this whole, I'm gonna, that's going to be another message I'm going to have to preach on. Uh, everybody's so mixed up. It's amazing. It's becoming a religion. You know that. It's becoming a religion because they use terms that we use. Catastrophe, end times, apocalypse, 
All these different terms that we use that the Bible says is going to be taking place when Christ returns is what they're using as describers of about climate change. It's becoming a religion. And, and let me tell you, and if you don't connect with it and you don't identify with it, you're a scoffer. But I'm going to tell you who the scoffer is, those who are claiming all this stuff. Don't be confused by it. In Paul, uh, Peter is just being very direct and he's being very forceful that you need to remember what truth is. And you need to remember that in the last days there are going to be scoffers that are walking after their own lust and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since our fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of. Listen, somebody wants to deny the word of God, they're choosing themselves to deny the reality of the word of God. Notice that he goes on here, he says, for this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished, but the heavens and the earth which are now by the same word are kept in store. So you don't have to worry about the world coming to an end because it's in the hands of God and he'll decide when it comes to an end. It's reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises. Now, we often quote that verse in reference to the fact that God's not willing to perish as far as salvation. We're dealing with that. But in the context, he's talking about the last days. In the context, he's talking about the world being uh, uh, dissolved. In the context, he's talking about the wrath of God coming on those that are ungodly. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises as some count slackness. In other words, it's going to come to pass exactly as God has stated. But God is long-suffering. The only reason why it hasn't come right now is because of the grace and the mercy and the long-suffering of God. But is long-suffering us, we're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. We need to be direct and forceful in reference to this matter of reminding people who God is and about the wrath of God that is to come. So remembrance. Jesus said, this do in remembrance of me. Revelation chapter 2 and verse 5, just a concluding verse to think about this. Jesus said this, Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen and repent and do the first works or else I will come unto thee quickly and will remove thy candlestick out of its place except thou repent. We often talk about statistics about how many churches are closing their doors in America and I'm just wondering, is that because of the wrath of God because churches won't repent? Believers won't repent. Jesus said, you need to remember. You need to remember where you came from. You need to remember who I am. And if you're not going to remember and repent, realize this, I'm going to remove your candlestick. That's the church. And I just wonder, 
The reason why so many churches are shutting down and being overrun and being corrupted is because we just won't repent and get right with God. I'll tell you, this, this matter of remembrance, the Lord's table is just not something that the church does on the first day of the month, first Sunday of the month. It's not just some little nice thing that we gather around and have some juice and have some crackers together, some bread together. It's more than that. It is deliberately making us to remember who Christ is and to remember what he has done and remember who we are in Christ Jesus. We, we're not our own. We've been bought with a price. And every time we come to the Lord's table, we're reminded of the cost of who we are. And because we remember who we are, then we repent because we get away from our God. Remembrance of me. Jesus said, this do in remembrance of me. And I, think, I don't know how in the world we can live a life of rejection and rebellion to Christ when we remember who he is and remember what he has done and what that means to me. And so we need to remember because if we'll remind ourselves, then bless God, we'll get some things straight. And the Lord can work and again in each of our lives. Let's bow for prayer. My Father, I thank you uh, that you uh, stimulate our minds, Lord. You stir us with curiosity of who you are. And you send thy spirit upon us to convict us about what we are. And I'm thankful, Lord, that we can know Christ as our personal Savior. And I'm thankful that that means a whole lot more than just saying I'm a Christian that goes to church on Sunday. I'm thankful, Lord, that we're never the same once we trust Christ as our Savior. Remind us of that, God, over and over. Oh, Holy Spirit of God, will you prick our hearts and remind us of who we are. And Lord, may we never forget who you are and what you've done for us. I pray, Lord, as we give this invitation, if someone needs to be saved this morning, I pray they might come and receive Christ as their Savior. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand.